Welcome to Uncomfortable Chai Chats. Um, my name is Tanvi and I'll be your host. This is where we talk about all things that are uncomfortable, but in a way that's going to be slightly comfortable. Um, it's okay if you feel weird throughout this podcast because we will be talking about topics that aren't, you know, necessarily common and they're very taboo. Um, so this is my first podcast and I'll provide a brief background of myself. Um, so I was born and raised in America, but my family is South Asian. I'm from South India in Kerala and I come from a very interesting background, um, which we'll talk about more throughout the pod. Um, but for why I first started this podcast, so I wanted to specifically explore South Asians and specifically South Asian men and women, um, I guess in the most binary form of things, in order to understand where our complexities come arise. So with South Asian Americans versus South Asian Indians that have stayed there versus South Asian Americans that were born here and raised here, what are our values? How do we differ? How do we break generational trauma? all of that fun, fun stuff. Um, the conversations that I hope to arise are gonna be some that we all want to have, but we don't necessarily feel comfortable to talk about. So this is a safe, safe space. Um, thank you for joining me. So we've got some really cool conversations in store. This is a four series podcast. So we'll be talking about four big topics, bringing in guests, bringing in scholars. Um, it'll be a little awkward here and there just because, you know, your local auntie and uncle will come and talk to me about marriage and cast in a future pod. So that should be really interesting. So stick around if you are ready to listen to that. But for today's topic, we're going to be talking about South Asian American women and men. Um, for those of you who are unaware, India is very, very diverse with over 40 different types of languages. North and South in India are diverse in many ways as well. So I'm from South India, as I mentioned. My background is rooted in South Indian culture, in Tollywood, and Kaliwood, and Mollywood. Don't get me wrong, I do love a good Bollywood movie, but I was raised in South India, so that is where my background is from. From. Um, but we're going to be talking to two men today that are from North India. Um, in that, we're going to be talking about expectations, similarities, and differences while we're growing up, marriage, dating, the whole shebang. Um, and we're going to really, really thank them for being on this pod and for being honest and for having this conversation. So I would like to introduce today's guest. We have... Hey, my name is Rohan. Uh, I grew up in Seattle. I was born in Arizona. Uh, I'm currently studying at Worcester Polytech Institute in Massachusetts and I'm currently studying robotics and computer science. Hey, my name is Ishan. I've grown up in New Jersey all the way, was born in Mumbai. Shahrukh <laughs> 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 Khan all the way. No. <laughs> I also go to WPI. I'm studying robotics and computer science like my friend Rohan here. You copied me. Yeah, okay. Thank you guys for introducing yourselves. Um, and today we're going to be first to introduce you guys why it's called Uncomfortable Chai Chats. We're going to be talking very briefly about what we're drinking just to bring in some light to this conversation. I mean, we're 20-somethings going to be talking about marriage, so just know it'll get a little bit sad. Um, <laughs> no, no, okay. Uh, anyway. I'm depressed for the record. Okay. Why is she looking at me when she said sad, bro? <laughs> okay, so, um, all right, why don't you guys tell me what your bevies are? What are you drinking? Oh, okay. I am drinking Chipotle lemonade. 
Made this fresh. Pod is sponsored by Chipotle. <laughs> I am drinking Rise Protein Powder, Fruity Pebbles. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and I am drinking water. I promise for the next few podcasts, I will have some interesting bevies. But today, it is a nor'easter outside. So I'm stuck with some plain old water. So tell me, how are your drinks? Do you like them? Do you not like them? I really love my drink. I think it's the right amount of sweetness. Really? Because it seems empty. <laughs> I drank it all. That's how much I love it. Okay. <laughs> I love my drink. I've always wanted to be sponsored by Rise. If I my journey past one year. <laughs> this pod is sponsored by Rise. I would. Uh, okay. All right. What are you going to even edit? You know what? I'm not going to ask you. You know, this is going to be a lot of work for me. So why don't we go ahead and get started on the bulk of the discussion. Um, I will link all the studies that I'll be talking about in this pod, in the Spotify description, if you'd like to read them yourselves or check them out. Um, They're all fantastic studies, absolutely wonderful. But I'll be highlighting them in this podcast as well, so you don't really have to read them if you don't want to. (laughs) Um, Okay, so we're going to be highlighting the differences between our growing up and our expectations. I mean, every family is different in so many ways, um, including people that are from North India themselves. I'm sure they can talk about the differences in expectations they had just because there's so much of a variety of culture that we've been raised with. So why don't we go ahead and get right into it. So the first main point that we're going to be talking about is our expectations and how we were raised. So as an Indian woman in particular, um, if you look at the Jayakar study from 1994, Indian women in particular are expected to adhere to strict gender roles um, and give attention to large, well-defined repertoire of family responsibilities within traditional South Asian households. So essentially, it's talking about how South Asian women are given more of an emphasis to marry into another family for the sake of wealth, for the sake of building repertoire, for the sake of connecting social class, social economic systems, um, and less so on their educational background. Now, why don't we go ahead and talk about, you know, the fact that both Indian women, I guess in the most binary form of the conversation, have responsibilities. Um, That's obvious, but they're very different in many ways. So why don't you guys start telling me what did you feel was the most important values your parents reflected on you growing up and how did that influence your way of thinking today? Specifically just, we can go into like education and career. What was the most important values that was instilled? For me personally, growing up, uh, I would say mainly elementary school, middle school, high school, and maybe a bit of college was mainly uh, focus on your education. Educating was the first thing you needed to focus on. That was commitment number one over everything else. Yes, family was important, but first of all, defining a career for yourself and having that education background was most necessary. So I think throughout my childhood for learning experiences, it was career, it was uh, education oriented. And then throughout college, getting internships, focusing on full-time jobs, it became more career-oriented. And then now that I'm about to graduate college, my parents are more focusing on the family orientation, saying now that I have a good education, I have a good career lineup for me, you have to start focusing on the third check mark, which is family. So I feel like in, my, in the way I'm perceiving it, this all built up to being financially stable in order to support a family. I can relate to that. Mine was also like a framework where the first 12 years were kind of education. Um, and then after that, it got to high school where you care about AP credits, trying to be competitive with other people. And then in college, it became setting up your career. Even now, my dad says you have to, the first five years are like the grind time. You should worry about nothing else except your career. Build a stable financial, like Rohan said, and then work, worry about family. 
Yeah, so I think personally, for me, in terms of my background, I think times have changed a little bit, and we can all see that within our parents. I mean, our parents got married, at least my parents got married pretty young. My mom was 21. My dad was older. He was 28, but still, my mom was very young. So for women in my family, generationally, we've been getting married at a young age. Um, In terms of the conversation of dating, uh, growing up, that was not allowed. I mean, even interacting with boys, having being friends with boys, I mean, it was a strict household, you know? So we didn't necessarily have the discussion of marriage and the importance of marriage until I would say I got into high school. Um, even in high school, it was still, you can't date, but there was still that expectation saying, you know, Thunby, you have to marry into a good family. You have to marry into a well-established family. Um, so I think, I mean, if, was that conversation for you guys, like, was, would you say it's around the same time or do you think that started later in your life? I mean, my parents always mentioned like saying you have to marry well, you have to mm-hmm. have merit expectations, but it wasn't really focused upon. Yeah. It was briefly mentioned once or twice, but mm-hmm. it was nothing like really to dial in and focus to. Yeah. I think starting now, it's come a lot more mm-hmm. pulled up and a lot more talked about. That's my mind. Yeah, I agree. Like, when they would mention it, but it would be more like a joke. Like, oh, who are you going to marry? My parents always joke, are you going to marry someone white? Are you going to marry someone Indian? Like, little jokes like that. But as you move on to, like, I say senior year of college is probably, like, most serious. They're like, you should actually settle down, find someone. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so, obviously, there was a common importance valued on education that paradigm shift at least from most of the scholarly articles have reported kind of happened post-colonialist times when education was the only thing people had left so shedding in some light in that direction i mean personally from my background my mom is an incredibly strong woman so she she works she owns a business she's actually the primary uh, if you're comparing salaries she's the primary breadwinner in very big air quotes in the household so she brings in most of the salary so she herself very much has instilled in me like education is the one thing people cannot take away from you so like you know Thunby make sure you finish undergrad make sure you finish grad school you know marriage is sure it's important kids sure they're important but career now that is like the most important thing which I feel like isn't something that you hear very common would you guys agree like would you agree that a lot of people would kind of, I guess in a way my mom says, you know, kids aren't a necessity. She, which is very different from what my dad thinks. He thinks kids are a necessity, continue that lineage. My mom, in a way, she's like, sure, kids are fine, but like career always first. Would you say that your parents have that dynamic or would you say that they're like, okay, but you need to have kids? My parents are kind of both. They, they mm-hmm. My parents obviously want to pass down the, like my last name legacy mm-hmm. and in order for that you have kids. But yeah. the issue is... Again, like I was saying, I need to have a stable career in order to have, to make, help those kids help go to college and their education, their life in general, mm-hmm. right? So as much as I, as much as my parents do want me to have kids, obviously the first priority is make sure I have a good career path and education in order mm-hmm. to support that family. Because if I don't have that, I really can't pass down my legacy itself. Yeah. My family, my kids' legacy. Okay. Like I would agree, like my dad doesn't want me to worry about any of that stuff till I have a stable financial <laughs> independence. Because yeah. he also thinks like... You should have a stable life for not only like your wife, but your kids too. Like, why mm-hmm. would your wife, why should you put her through like that financial dependence until you're stable yourself? Yeah. Okay. So then shifting gears, like, how would you say the community responded in terms of your education? So this is kind of where I see a lot of conversations diverge. So I guess in group settings, like, well, while people have asked me in some cases about my education, my career, 
Um, it's not too much, but that could also be what I'm studying particularly is kind of arbitrary for the South Asian community. You don't really see people pursuing law to the fullest extent that much. If they do do law, it's usually corporate. Um, so that could be a reason for sure as to why people don't really converse with me about my educational background or what I plan to do in the future or even my career. When they do ask me, it's like, oh, I give an answer and then that's it. They don't really ask anymore. But, you know, people, we can see that aunties are pretty nosy. So there, are, it's very rare that people kind of keep digging at it. What is your experience with that? Do you think people like really want to know everything about your life, about your education, what you're studying, or how do you feel about that? I think I kind of agree with you in that sense that people don't really care about what you're doing they want to find a way to connect with you mm -hmm. and that's the best way is if you go like a name brand school stuff like it doesn't to my experience it doesn't really matter what you're studying if you go to a school like harvard they'll be oh they'll see the harvard mm -hmm. it could be any major as, as long as they can connect with you they will want to know more about you mm -hmm. adding on to that like it's a little tier list like look at the school first is it a high tier school all right next what major they're studying if it's in a physical middle tier school it must be a high tier major and for a lot of i guess in i'm seeing from my experience indians typically lean towards engineering computer science technology mm -hmm. and doctor lawyer type of fields mm -hmm. those are what we classify as high tier jobs as they pay usually the most mm -hmm. so that's a lot that influenced a lot of our decisions going to college and what we want to pick as a career path obviously for some of us were lucky enough to actually enjoy the actual majors we enjoy like robotics computer science we actually enjoy it unfortunately that's not true for everybody mm -hmm. but definitely well, there's a lot of there's a lot of like digging around seeing what who you are as a person and how i guess the questions like people ask is to figure out how how motivated are you to find a career that's most suitable to you there's a lot of people who just go to college just for the heck of it and just get the career because their parents told them i think uncles and aunties like figure out how motivated are you independently to make sure you, to see how mature you are and how how strong of a life you want to live i guess like i would agree in that sense like um society definitely influenced me like undergrad i definitely wanted to do myself but now since i'm going to grad school after this that was hugely influenced by society and my parents because they still perceive that if you don't get a master's you won't be able to be competitive versus like our generation doesn't think that especially for certain fields like computer science where a bachelor's is good enough yeah so i well let's talk about that so i think in a lot of fronts like i kind of already expected my life to go down the path in which i would have further education so currently like i'm pursuing so many different avenues to optimize the knowledge that i retain and that includes getting that degree so even if it means online course like i feel like in our society that's still not good enough they want a name to put to the degree so yeah. regardless of if you can argue that you know coursera udemy are equivalent to some even some courses that you can take in school people don't like that mm -hmm. people like to see okay do you have a master's degree do you have a phd like what are your thoughts on that i mean you're both in fields where it's not necessarily needed right people even argue lately that you don't need a university degree to even do computer science because you can take outside courses yep. but was oh yeah our community is pretty persistent on the fact that you need a master's to be successful or to be perceived as successful mm -hmm. even in the most personal life front right let's talk about arranged marriage you need to have good qualifications to be arranged otherwise you're not really considered a good candidate mm -hmm. So how do you feel that that's impacted your life at all or influenced your decisions at all um, in terms of education? Um, for one thing, online classes or online courses such as Udemy or whatever, my parents like, said that's a good starting point. They never said it's a finishing point. 
they always said it's good to learn on your own, such as Udemy or just look at it. But in the end, you have to apply it in some sort of manner, whether that's internship, full-time job, or actual like school project. You can't just end up just doing a Udemy course and calling it a day, because they said anyone can do that. If anything, if you really want to scroll through the entire course without actually learning anything. Mm-hmm. The only way to show you you apply what you learn is going to that next step and putting that experience into a project, project or vice or whatever it is. So personally, online courses have always resulted into a much later career choice, such as, for example, if I were to learn a Python language, Python, I would have to find an internship that rolls on Python and apply my skills from Udemy into that internship. Mm-hmm. And so for me, a lot of that, um, personally, I wasn't really motivated to learn new online classes. It was mainly my dad forcing me to because he's more up at, He's more surrounded with coders of his entire career path, so he knows what's in, what's out for technology. So he's like filling me in loops saying, you should learn this, you should learn that. This is hot in the market, and this is not hot in the market right now. So it's mainly like my dad giving me the message saying what I should look into to be a hot product for the market when I come out of college. Mm. For me, I think it's a little different because like my parents aren't in the tech field, so they're not as expertise in like that department. But I think the reason they're pushing me is because out of fear, they're afraid that I would be left behind compared to people that did do it. Like even now, they talk about like in 10 years down the line, if you're up for a promo with someone who did a master's, you'll get like you won't get chosen over him because he did a master's. He just yep. has that one level <clears throat> of excellence. So they're worried about that front that the, I'll just be left behind. Yeah, sure. Like the MBA factor for me personally, my family is a huge thing. Yeah. Like having an MBA is a is something like you have to ride or die for. Like my my dad's like saying like like after college I was going to work for a bit and then see what my life takes me and figure out do I want to pursue further education? Do I, am I happy where I am? But my dad said doesn't give me an option. He's like, nope, your MBA is, is what you need. This is hot in the market. Trust me, you need this. And I'm taking his word for it, obviously, because he mm-hmm. has more experience than me. Right. I'm taking his word for it, and I know it's better. It's better for me. It's just my lazy side does not want to do it. Really. Yeah. Right. So I agree with that. That's like why I'm doing <laughs> masters. Like I don't. If I it was up to me, I wouldn't do it for like. Like I know day. it's yeah. good for me, and yeah, I, yeah. I have to go through that pain. It'll be it'll worth it'll be worthwhile for me in the end. Mm-hmm. It's just that lazy part of getting over saying okay, get control of your life, get past the obstacles, and like make sure. You're still hot in the market because down the ears, like five, ten years, who knows if you're what you're working on, like robotics, yes, still hot in the market. Exactly. Right. But business will always be some type of in the market as you need businessmen or management people to be in a, to help take in a sense. Team. I guess there's no like downside other than financial and time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it's not going to hurt you to get the degree in your career. It might like keep you back by two years, but I think that you'll be able to get the same position or better than you were if you didn't do the master's. Yep. I mean, it definitely has its benefits. I think that when I was choosing my career path, I kind of just narrowed it down to, okay, which, like, basically they both were for their education. Do I become a doctor or do I become a lawyer? Like, it was two paths that were extremely academically rigorous. I didn't really extend myself beyond that point. There was definitely a point in life where I didn't want to do further education, but um, I mean, I fell in love with school, so luckily from my perspective, it's it's all good. Like, I'm still pursuing it, but I do, I will say that the K through JD is a grind, so I do need to take a break, and I do need to focus on work and my own life, which I think was not which is originally not perceived well mm-hmm. i think by a lot of people like especially taking a break between schooling in their mind they're like why don't you just do it just like finish it off you know but i think 
the the level of hustle required especially go, to go to an extremely academically rigorous school and continue that it, it's a lot of motivation and to prevent burnout I feel like this is what I had to do but do you guys feel like you experienced the same kind of response if you were taking a break oh, for sure um for me personally like after I was going to graduate I, I wanted to take a break from schooling I spent like four rigorous years I wanted to take a little maybe two-year break three-year break just work in the workforce get some money yeah. pay off loans if I can yeah um, my parents on the hand were to kind of make me go to MBA right after college. Right. And then I was talking to a lot of friends, family friends who are like a couple years older than me, mm-hmm. 25, 26, late 20s. They all said the same things like that break is necessary. Yeah. You will lose your mind if you don't take that break. Ed- mm-hmm. Education is great and all, but you also have to get some skills for your resume in yeah. order to apply that for job and life in general yeah. if you go straight to the mba you will most likely forget everything you learned the past four years as you'll be focusing on your mba yeah. where those skills won't be sharp as much i mean like that's the biggest thing with further schooling like how can you take that level of education and apply it if you're not properly experienced in life you yeah. know like we're already we're so young right now going directly into an MBA or law school, it's it's incredibly difficult when you need to have a certain level of experience to do those things. Um, but masters in specific subjects are different. You can go directly into that, um, but it's, it's okay. I mean, everyone has their own perspective. I think the main point, the main takeaway from this was, you know, like our society perceives a lot of things differently because back in their time, education was a necessity it was basically the gateway to everything in life money family kids successful family repertoire um but things have changed for us i mean the way our generation at least in america perceives things is is different um and i could argue in india as well but i will be bringing someone future on the pod to talk about that from their own experience but i want to go ahead and shift gears into a fun topic that 20 somethings love to talk about dating Dating and marriage is a hot topic for South Asians. I mean, we've got Dilma, we've got, you know, Shadi.com. We've got so many avenues for marriage. But I think what I want to start with is way back when, let's dial it back to high school. So how are your parents on dating? Um, as a South Asian woman, and a lot of studies have shown, you know, there's a sense of overprotection drawn into by our families, especially with daughters, because from from both parts, from all parts of India, actually, saying that, you know, if a daughter's reputation gets spoiled, like that's the end of her time. So I personally wasn't allowed to date too much, regardless of whether I did that or not. It's a different conversation. But how are you guys in the dating? How were your parents responsive to that? So I, I kind of agree in that sense that my parents didn't want me to date in high school. That definitely um, was a huge flip. As soon as I got to college, they kind of expected me to date. But I just thought it was kind of interesting, like, four years, they're just completely stopped. And then four years, they're like, yeah. why aren't you dating anyone? <laughs> they're like, let's like, get you met. <laughs> like, I was like, well, where did this come from? <laughs> just a weird dynamic. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I, maybe this is because, so my fam- my parents are love marriage. Yeah. So in that regards, dating was fine growing up. Right. The only thing, priority was education. Right. If If any, if my parents see any way my grades falling or any my, like, social activities or education being impacted in any way because of my relationship i have to pick my relationship my education over relationship immediately right right so if the relationship has like loose ties saying if my education falls i have to cut everything out and focus on that as that's the number one priority so yeah. growing up i was allowed to date but it was always the factor of oh shoot if i de- if i get too much into dating 
and my education doesn't get affected, I have to cut off a lot of people. Yeah. So I don't know. I can't talk for autonomy. For me, my parents are they worried about the same thing. My parents didn't give me the opportunity to try it, though. Like, they were worried I was going to fail from the start, so they didn't even give me the opportunity. Yeah, I also... My parents are arranged marriage, so are Ishan's. So we <laughs> we didn't exactly come up... Have parents that, like, knew exactly what love marriage felt like. Um, you know, that entire, like, falling in love, getting swooned, getting swept off your feet. That wasn't a thing that my parents went through. I mean, my mom was 20. She was basically my age right now when she got married, which is insane to think about. And I think from their fronts, I don't know what they thought I was going to do. I don't know if they thought they would, like, just set me up with someone. But I think my mom kind of came to terms with the fact that you know, she's in, she's here, she's gonna date, um, but that was still not allowed in high school. I mean, they were like, okay, let's get you into college first. And I think once I got into Brandeis and everything, they were a little more lenient on things. Granted, I already had a partner at that time who was still my partner today. Thank God it worked out. But I did introduce him to my family only after I was committed to Brandeis. So I think that goes a lot to say as to what my parents thought. And um, now they're sitting here, not them, but my dad is sitting here, you know, waiting for him to propose. And I am 20 years old. So let's go ahead and talk about you guys. Um, you know, how are you, at what age are your parents expecting this to start rolling? When are they expecting a girl to come home? Shadi, when is proposal? Talk to me. So my dad and my mom are very different dynamics. My dad wants to be married by 28. My mom wants to be married by 25. Oh, wow. Okay. That is kind of soon. <laughs> and my mom's is like really pushing me to like find someone. And so my dad's like, you know, focus on your career first. Right. So it's, like, the opposite for you, where, mm-hmm. like, my parents, yeah. So do you think your dad believes you can't manage both, or what? what is, do you think he's never had that perspective, so now he's just... I just don't think he's ever managed both, so he doesn't understand that you can manage both. I so see. he says that either you focus, like, he's, like, all in at once, right? He's You can't do both, that's his perception. So let me ask you something, like, I guess in some ways, what my dad equates to marriage, he equates kids, he equates everything coming like this, this, this. Mm-hmm. Is your dad the same way? Like, does he think mm-hmm. that once, as soon as you get a girlfriend, you're going to get married, you're going to have kids, and then you're, like, life goes to shambles. Like, what does yeah. he think? I would have put it in shambles. <laughs> yes, my dad thinks that as soon as you get a girlfriend, you're most likely going to settle down with her soon. Like, my dad has, like, a very quick timeline as soon as he finds someone. I see. Yeah. Would you say you have a quick timeline? Yes, but not as quick as my dad. <laughs> My dad's timeline is like like you find a girl three months you introduce them six months you get engaged a year you get married kind of thing versus I is have that a different not your timeline no mine's oh, a little okay. different my bad my bad my bad <laughs> this is supposed to be okay so, she's interrogating not a personal all attack bro this is never a podcast this is interrogation I've been attacked so much <laughs> MBA law school is like what you're doing isn't <laughs> No, yours is master's, not MBA. It's a difference. Master's. It's different because both of the things require background. Uh, because master's is you're, you're harnessing your ability uh, from bachelor's. Yeah. MBA is like, I want it. So tell me, uh, what, what, what yeah. were your parents like? What are they expecting timeline-wise? Okay, mine's, my parents, they're weird. Okay, okay they good haven't start. given me a, like, an age where I should be married by. They haven't like pressured me as much as I thought they would about marriage. The, all they tell me is just, fa, like, just find a girl. That's all they say. I don't know what they mean by that. Like, they mean, like, date a girl and just, like, start dating or find a girl as in marriage. Mm-hmm. But all they say is find a girl. And, like, my parents are, like, they're, 
I think for them, they because because of a love marriage, they know the steps of what a love marriage takes. Okay. I don't know if I phrased it properly, but like That's they true. know that there's a dating period, then there's a, then there's like a then there's like the wedding period, then the honeymoon phase, and then like starting to have kids. You can so have the on. wedding period and then the honeymoon phase. <laughs> But like, and then you start dating. They you know? they know there's multiple steps within yeah. the process. Yeah. So they're not trying to rush anything because they want. For me, I, my grandparents on the other hand want me to have an arranged marriage. My parents don't want me to have an arranged marriage. Okay. So my parents are very loose on w- when I get married. By from the way it looks, I can tell they want me to get married before I'm like 29. Okay. At least okay. so. I would say they optimally want me married by 26, 27. So when are, when were your parents married? My parents were mid-25. 25. Okay. Well, okay. So <laughs> then I guess in that, are they like... Okay, so when they say find a girl, like I've met your parents. Yeah. Like, do they mean find the girl or find a girl? See, I don't know. I'm pretty sure this means find a girl and then start <laughs> okay. dating. Okay, okay. And hope for the best. And hope for the best. But I think I'm going to get more of this talk because I'm still in college, still in college trying to wrap it up. Yeah. Once I go back home, start doing work again, then I feel like the discussions will come more come closer and closer saying you should go find a girl find a girl where they'll start basically pestering me on and on about finding somebody mm. but for now it's not that it's not bad at all okay. like it, they barely talk about it they, they still talk about my education still yeah so we recently all took a trip to seattle where we visited rohan's family and we got a little sneak peek preview would you say that was a little bit of a foreshadow or was that normal to the level they were talking about you and your dating life and that's normal okay, that's okay. normal my parents are very we're all open with each other about our life because okay. if we just tell a lie everything we we, we my yeah. parent my mom's big believer in no lies in the family okay. at least tell it and then we'll deal with the consequences, consequences later okay um so for us it's a very open family we all really know about each other's life and what's going on yeah and that way we can support each other in that way yeah so yeah i think when you guys came that was like sneak peek of what actually happens when we hang out Okay. That's a really different dynamic from what my parents feel like. I'm like <laughs> the complete opposite. I mean, of course there's I mean, fights and everything. I think but, no, 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 no. Well, it's like all hidden it, away. From I think know. it's like products of arranged versus love. Yeah. yeah. Like long term when we're thinking about this, I mean, while everyone has fights, everyone has issues. I mean, it's marriage. But like, I think at the bottom line, the reason your parents might be to this level of understanding and lenient with time and timelines is because they also took that step. They also mm-hmm. took that step forward. Whereas I would say Ishan and I are the first ones in our direct lineage to like take that step, you yeah. know? Um, and I think my parents have gotten a little bit lenient over time, just in the sense that, you know, they've gone to multiple love marriages now, multiple intercultural shadis. So they're like, okay, so like, even if you're Tamil, Telugu, like North Indian, South Indian, that stuff doesn't matter at the end of the day. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that they're like, woo marry whoever you want but they're definitely like my partner you guys room with him you know so he's a south indian telugu boy which is different from where i'm from i'm from kerala so i'm malu and tamil um but that was a learning curve as well with my family um do you think something like that's gonna happen to you ishan 
I actually have a different dynamic than that because mm-hmm. most of my cousins, even now, are getting arranged marriage. There's yeah. very few love marriages. Okay. I don't think my parents expect me to get an arranged marriage, but they have the same timeline of arranged marriage, if that makes sense. Because oh. they don't experience, like, know what it takes to have a love marriage, right? They don't understand there's, like, a dating period and then, like, a move-in period. They think, like, all of that is just combined into, like, one small period, then you get engaged and married really soon. So would you say that shifted your personal timeline, or are you keeping your personal timeline and hoping they work with that. I'm hoping that they work with my personal timeline. I see. <laughs> Bold choice, huh? <laughs> I wish you the best of luck. Yeah. You know, it's okay. Like, okay, so would you guys say that with age and with time, the pressures of marriage have shifted? Do you, do you foreshadow it increasing, like, severely? Oh, because yeah. I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. I think in the next two years, if I, um, if nothing happens and I'm just still working... My parents will start, like, pestering me on nonstop about finding a girl girlfriend every day. Mm. See, I'm kind of lucky in that sense where I basically I have a huge family, right? So I have a lot of first cousins. I'm probably, like, sixth in line I to see. get married. So I have, like, my parents are very close in the sense, like, they will worry about their, like, all their kids first. Right. And then start worrying about me. So I have, like, about six generations to go through. It won't be, like, directly on me. Because my parents are very, like, super, like, they're, they're actually, like, do you know how, like, Indie movies, like, if your older sister isn't married, like, yet, how can you get married? Yeah. Kind of similar thing, like, if your older brother isn't married, it's not, like, like right to get you See, married. that's funny because my mom married before her elder brother. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And that was a big deal to the yeah. elder brother. No, it's ironic. In our community, the sisters always, even if they're, like, an older brother, like, the daughter gets married first. Actually, yeah, now that I think about it, my mom did get married first. No, wait, did she? I don't remember, but I think that my dad, like, (laughs) I think he kind of gave up on my brother getting married before me, and that's why he's, like, very much into, like, always talking about, like, Thunvi, when is he going to propose? When is he going to propose? When is he going to propose? And right now, in our generation, 20 is incredibly young to get Mm -hmm. engaged, you know, but I think he's still running through the motions, trying to learn that, but we'll see how it goes when I move back to Houston. Um, but the last thing I wanted to quickly talk about was the differences of, like, the pressures of being a man and a woman when it comes to marriage. So both South Asian men and women carry an incredible burden when it comes to getting married. Now, men carry the typical burden of, okay, you need to carry along the family legacy. Mm -hmm. Whereas women have the pressures of being married off. Like, you're kind of in some ways shunned from your own family because you're like, oh, you're a part of that family now. You can do that family's traditions. At least from my experience, you know, that's what my mom has been telling me. She's like, oh, you know, like, I might have to teach your brother's girlfriend this because you're going to be doing abby's traditions you're going to be doing his cultures and i was like what why would i do that so when i told her that i still wanted to carry my traditions she was a little bit shocked because that's not something that they necessarily grew up with so i want to talk a little bit about that like how do you feel about you know being told i don't know if you guys are told this first of all so let's start with that do you ever get talks about the pressures of carrying along the family name i mean i do get talks about carrying along the family name but it's not as it's important to them, very important. But, like, what you were saying about doing the tr- tr- traditions and mm-hmm. passing them back and forth, for my parents, it was more of a hybrid. Okay. Where they respected each other's tradition and did both of them. So okay. I celebrated both my dad's side and my mom's side traditions. Even with the last name, my mom had my dad's last name for the longest time. Yeah. But then a couple of years back, she decided to keep her maiden name as a middle name. Oh, okay. So now she has her maiden name as a middle name, so just, she doesn't lose that part of identity of her. Mm-hmm. She didn't want to lose it to begin with. Yeah. Like, she, she, loved my, she loves my dad. She loves my take my dad's last name. 
and carries likes that part of the tradition, but she also wanted to keep her last name yeah. that she grew up with as a middle name. Okay. So how do you foresee yourself? I mean, personally, like, I mean, we've, Abby and I have talked about it, but for the sake of the pod, like, um, my partner and I, we hope to hybrid both of our last names. So do a hyphenated version. And then for cultures, we both celebrate different things. So we hope to just combine it and do kind of everything. Um, Mm -hmm. If you guys don't marry like exactly within your own family's culture cast, like how do you plan on navigating that? Um, for cultures wise, I I want to respect both tra- both traditions. I would plan to do a hybrid. Okay. No matter how much work it is, I think it's it's important not to lose each other's identity. Yeah. In regards to last name, obviously, it'd be nice to take my last name, but I could really care less as yeah. long as there's some type of hybrid okay. or combination of the two where both identities are in each other's names. Yeah. As, that's what I ideally would like. Okay. So my parents are super on tradition and like they're really involved in the community. That's like an important piece yeah. of them. I kind of carry that. Um, so I would like, obviously, celebrate my traditions, but mm-hmm. I, that's not saying I wouldn't celebrate their traditions at the same time. It would be, like, a hybrid thing, like Rohan was saying. For the last name, I really don't, like, care if they take my last name or not. I'll probably keep my last name because I want, that's, like, a valuable part of me, but I wouldn't care if they didn't take my last name. Okay, yeah, I mean, fair enough. But, um, okay, so we have reached time. This was such a wonderful conversation. I just want to highlight a few takeaways. We essentially talked about, you know, understanding the struggles and responsibilities of each gender within South Asian diaspora. Um, and, you know, mostly talking about generationally what has been passed down, possibly breaking down generational cycles, and how we all hope to adapt from being South Asians raised in America and coming from such different backgrounds navigating with each other. Um, do you guys have anything to add before we wrap up? Yeah, I actually do have something interesting to add. There's a really weird, um, like, tr- dynamic that's translation between our parents' like values and our values. Like, a really good example is my cousin who's trying to get married right now. You guys have all met him. Mm-hmm. He was the one at Northeastern. Oh, okay. So the problem is he's trying to get married, right? And yeah. he's in an arranged marriage. But the problem is he has very certain values. He's more traditional. Yeah. For everything, everyone he finds is more like our generation, like your modern, modern values. Oh, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it's very hard for him because he wants someone, like, a stay-home wife kind of mm. thing like he's very like family mm. oriented and he just, gotcha. it's very hard for him to find that yeah i mean see understanding and working with modern roles it it's just like you can't really like mm-hmm. pick and choose exactly what if you i mean is he looking for a love marriage or an arranged marriage he was looking for an arranged marriage i yeah. see see i think in the united states especially a lot of Indians have become more modernized. No, no, he's working. actually going to India to find her. So, India. yes, going back to India, where they still value the traditional lifestyle of, uh, like, the, the range of marriage and the whole idea, that'd be a better chance to find find someone more of his values, because here in the United States, everyone's starting to modernize what they're thinking, even the mm. parents starting to modernize. No, I mean, I'm saying, like, he's looking for girls in India, and he can't find someone with still, those traditional wow. I mean, yeah, so India, actually, yeah. if... If you read the studies, but actually the, cur- <laughs> the current studies are actually showing that women in India have extremely modernized. So they're all working women. I mean, it's also the fact that, I mean, in America, you need a dual income to run the household. Yeah. People don't really lo- rely on someone else to live their life. So that's America's standpoint. But in India, similar things have shown, you know, nobody wants to, I mean, there's horror stories everywhere of domestic violence. The last thing someone wants is to be tied to a person that's going to do something like that to them. 
research has shown that women have modernized because also why not just take charge of your own future so they've kind of escaped that even though their family's like no you need to be a stay-at-home mom several women have gone to local colleges local schooling Mm -hmm. secretly got education um in my mom's generation a lot of it was they had to fight to get education because they were like told that they should just stay at home but current day women especially in our generation are like no i'm just gonna go get a degree and like do what you want with that if you don't want me to work then don't marry me you know so i think like having such an old age mindset's kind of hard to navigate with just because it's so rare to find you know a woman that's going to stay at home all day you know especially because like why you know um but yeah thank you guys so much for joining me on this conversation and hearing out perspectives in a what i hope is a safe environment um join us next time when we approach the question of caste and couple expectations in marriage thank you guys so much